We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to discuss the offseason. We're going to have a little preview for the offseason. Got the draft on Thursday and free agency coming up in about a week. And I think this is a huge offseason that's going to be very revealing of the Lakers' approach, specifically with respect to two things. How big of an appetite they have for a third star and how willing ownership is to pay the luxury tax and to what extent. Now, for a bit of context, a couple of summers ago, the Lakers made a run at Kawhi Leonard in free agency and they struck out. But they had what I believe was a very well-conceived and executed plan B that ended up surrounding LeBron and AD with role players. And we all know how that ended with the championship. But then the next offseason, they trade Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder, signed Montrez Harrell. And while I wouldn't call... Dennis a star necessarily, that move is more in that direction toward that type of player. And now we're hearing a lot of rumors about the Lakers being interested in players who would definitely come closer to qualifying as a third star, not only in caliber of player, but also in their salary, right? A couple of those guys are making really big bucks. And that begs the question, how much are the Lakers willing to spend this offseason? And how much are they willing to go into the luxury tax? And for context on that, You've got LeBron and AD combined to make $76.5 million next year. KCP and Kuz are at 13 flat, market 2.7. Darius, that's only five players, $105 million between the five of them, 105.2. Those are the only five players under contract right now is those guys. Trez has a player option. Then you throw in THT, who's in an interesting place as a second-round pick who's developed and will be coveted on the free agent market. The biggest deal he can sign would be four years and $82 million. But that would be what's called a poison pill deal, where it would start at, I think, $9.5 million, right around the MLE. And then the second season would be a little bit over ten, But then it would, it would escalate, right? That's what a poison pill would be to, I think, $25 million in, in the third season and then around $30 million in the fourth season. And so the way that that impacts the salary cap is that's distributed evenly over the course of all four seasons. So long story short, if THT were to find that type of deal, there's been some rumors that, you know, Eastern Conference executive says that they would throw a max deal at Taylor Horton Tucker type thing. The 
salary cap implication of that is his cap hit would be 20.7 million. So under that circumstance, right, you're in the high 120s for six players and you still got a roster to fill out. So Darius, this is a summer that's going to reveal a lot of the cards that we have on the table, who we value, what direction we want to go in. If we want that third star, does that mean everybody else is kind of the band of merry minimums, as we used to say around Shaq and Kobe? Uh, I, I'm very curious to see what we do this offseason. What's the landscape as you see it? I mean, I think you laid out the landscape pretty well there. I go back to the idea that the Lakers wanted to sign Kawhi. And I think I said this a couple of podcasts ago too, but the idea of these are the Lakers – and they want to build towards having the most dominant team that you can have. And it's a play towards talent almost all of the time, right? And the more talent that they can get, I think, the better off they think they're going to be. I think that that's particularly an idea that you could see espoused by a former NBA agent who is just like, hey, give me all the best players. And I bet I can win with all the best players. It would not surprise me. Some of the rumors that are out there going after bigger name guys or guys who have a history of making the all-star team or being in the mix for all NBA. Of course, the Lakers are going to go after those players. It's the second question that you had that I think is most important here. Because the Lakers pocketbook is not going to be infinite. Now, I don't care about that. I don't care if the Lakers have a luxury tax bill of a billion dollars. Not your money, right? A, it's not my money. And B, they're the Lakers. They're one of the most profitable teams in the league and one of the more valuable sports franchises in the entire world right? Their brand is as globally recognized as any sports brand in the entire world, right? And on top of that, they have a shortish window where LeBron James is going to be LeBron James, right? Um, And I feel like you try to optimize that window by spending as much as you really need to spend. This summer is an interesting summer to me because, and I think we'll have these discussions more as, as we get into the free agency period, but this is the summer where I feel like they actually can spend a lot of money because they have from a, just from a logistics standpoint, I mean, because they have bird rights on a lot of their own players. Right. And you need salary cap exceptions in order to go over the cap. Right. And one of the only ones that's going to allow you to spend at the rate in which you can possibly spend like the highest rate possible is the bird exception. Right. And so they have early bird rights on THT uh, because he was only he only signed a two year contract as a rookie and his contract is limited by the arenas provision. Right. Which is the arenas rule, which I won't get into that now, but it basically caps the first and second year salaries, which is what you were speaking to about the poison pill. Right. And so the the reason why they call it a poison pill is is because of that huge jump 
in escalation that can happen, especially when there's some, especially when that player is signed by another team to an offer sheet as a restricted free agent because it. it forces the Lakers into a position where they have to make a decision on on him. And when the other team sets the terms of the contract, that's where it can get messy. Right. Like, oh, well, he's going to have a 15 percent trade kicker and you have to pay 95 percent of his salary up front. Right. And, and all of these things that you could write into the contract as as the team who's actually offering the deal. And then you tell the Lakers, oh, you want THT? Well, it's going to be on these terms. And that's why the idea of it being a poison pill comes comes into play. But the Lakers also have bird rights on Alex Caruso. They can pay him as much as they want, right? They're going to have, potentially, if Trez opts in, they'll have his salary as well. And this is the summer where they can spend as much as they can spend when it comes to retaining their own guys. And so I'm super interested in the strategy that this front office takes in terms of optimizing the assets that they have in-house and their ability to sort of play with those assets in building out their roster, not only to keep those guys, but to potentially sign and trade them or make more moves around the edges that are going to round out what they hope to be a championship team. The roster being based, uh, as I always seem to start these kind of discussions, around two actual superstars, like two actual guys that play on both ends, it does. One thing it does for me is it just keeps so many more possibilities in play where there are potentially two or three different right ways to build this team. And we've gone over the few, a few of them in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, whether that's through finding some combination of salaries, whether it's through re-signing guys or sign and trade or whatever that might be and getting a third star like that is one avenue to potentially winning a title. Resigning some of the guys and adding some key vets around them is another uh, way to do it and not actually going after a star, but focusing more on the types of role players that are going to complement two stars. So it's this weird place where there are a lot of teams right now, uh, and you can look around the league that think we can't win the title with this current makeup unless we somehow either get a star or we have to go the other way and rebuild and like trade our one star in order to get multiple draft picks and stuff like that. And so the Lakers are in this spot where I, th I, I really do think that they can pursue trades for a star or they can sign their own guys. As long as they get the right players and there are X number of guys that will check that box and, and we'll be spending the summer or what's left of it going over that. And so that's the good position that they're in. What, what direction they go in, I have no idea. And, and that's not something that, you know, I think you know, Rob Palenka probably has an idea, but that's not something that, that they're, you know, even talking about sort of internally, um, whereas people know exactly what they're going to do because we don't know which players might be available um, as of yet. So it's uh, a lot of this is to be seen. And I am certainly curious like everybody else. Mike, do you have a preference on the LeBron and AD and a bunch of role guys that buy in versus the third star approach? It just depends. It depends on the play. It depends on who the player is. It, there, sure. there aren't that many guys as a number three that I think would what I would prefer to a combination of several good role players. But mm, there okay. are a couple, you know, so it's just all it all depends on, on who that guy is. And I hope that's not a cop out. You know, yes and no answer. Not but, at all. Not uh, at yeah, all. That's yeah. that is how I feel. You're not calling yes and no answers. Cop outs are you, Mike? <laughs> that's not shade. Uh, is it? Yes. Yes and no. Yes. And no. <laughs> <laughs> OK. OK. 
All right. Okay. Only there. It's the answer is no. If described with enough nuance, as one Darius Soriano might. Sure. In that okay. case, in that case, I am I am all for the yes and no because you're you moving closer to, to describe it properly. Yeah. So you're it's a yes closer. or a or a conditional no. It's a yes or no answer. Sure. <laughs> Where are you at uh, on that, D? I'm with Mike, but I. So here's the thing that I would say is that I want a third star if that third star is going to be someone who actually amplifies Anthony Davis. Mm. Because specifically AD, not LeBron. You're not worried not about LeBron. LeBron. No, because LeBron yeah. is we just did a basketball gods episode on Shaq, right? LeBron, LeBron has been a basketball god his entire NBA life and even yeah. before that, right? High school yeah. or whatever. He is the ultimate, put him on any roster, and now you have a path to a championship. Mm -hmm. There are players who can optimize LeBron. Most of those players are either role players or they are Anthony Davis. They are a very specific sort of complementary superstar that is a finisher, that is a defender, that is likely going to be a big player. I even look back to LeBron's partnership with Wade, and it was much more LeBron sort of changing his game mm. a little bit mm -hmm. in order to sort of allow Wade to continue to play his same style with just a lower usage, right? And, and so LeBron is that guy who can do anything. He's not a Swiss army knife like Lamar Odom. He is literally the entire toolkit. Right. Like he's not a miniature version of like, oh, look, I have little scissors here and I've got a little knife. This is like, no, he's the entire cutlery section. He's 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 the he's every appliance at the store. Right. He's everything. And so I don't worry about optimizing LeBron. I much more want a player who can optimize Anthony Davis, because as we saw, I want to issue a caveat here. This past season was not a version of AD that I expect to see next season, just from a mental approach and, and physical readiness in terms of to start the season. And so sure. I think that he started so far behind the starting line in comparison to the championship season that I don't think it's an accurate gauge of what Anthony Davis is as as a player. But I would much prefer a model where the, whatever is going to be the secondary or lead ball handler type that you're essentially going to pair with Anthony Davis when he's not playing with LeBron. I want that dude to be of a quality and of a player type that can really help optimize him. Right. And so that comes down to a lot of skill sets. And we'll get into that more as like free agency stuff evolves. But I'd love to get your thoughts on well, well, on this, Pete, like, are you a third star guy or are you more <laughs> of a or are you more of a, hey, like AD and LeBron plus role players? That's proven to win so, a championship. I think I'm the opposite side of the yes or no that Mike is on in that I, I do gravitate more toward the third star, but it's contingent upon the quote unquote ring chasers that are interested in coming. Right. In LeBron's going to be 37 this upcoming season, and like you said, our our when you have LeBron on the team, you go to try to win a championship right away. If you go for that third star, even if ownership is very much willing to spend, there's 
a certain degree of having to fill out the rest of the bench because some of the guys that have been rumored, right, they make a lot of money. And even to just make a trade work, for example, you've got to send a decent amount of salary out. And that's not going to be LeBron or Anthony Davis. We only have a few guys under contract. So, you know, the who that can be is is fairly obvious. But if you've got guys that are willing to sign that are solid players, that are veterans, that maybe take a discount for the MLE, maybe, maybe take a vet minimum, and this is the place that they choose to sign. That's something that we've seen. And, you know, there are a couple of guys, I'd love to have Wes back, you know, and there are guys along those lines that are certainly solid players where if you go that third star route, you can go that route without, you know, hollowing out your bench to the degree that you normally would when you invest that much money in your top three guys. And in that vein, a lot of the rumors that the Lakers have been involved in have involved ball handlers that I do think are geared toward what you were saying with Anthony Davis and unlocking him and getting the most out of AD and the most out of those non-LeBron units. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into some of those guys. Uh, Mike and I cannot uh, too specifically, but Darius can. And so uh, Mike and I, maybe we'll talk a little more theoretically and Darius a little more specifically. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk about some of the ball handlers. a bit. If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. That's bwhustle.com backslash join. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, D, you've heard the rumors. What stands out to you about the ball handlers that we've been rumored to be uh, interested in? I mean, the first thing that stands out, and I said this on Twitter, is that a lot of the names are not Dennis Schroeder, right? Like, not the guy who just played for the team, right? And so there seems to be a a wandering eye for a different point guard, right? Like, or a different ball handler type. And it's like, it's, it's just interesting to me that some of the first discussions have been like, oh, well, Chris Paul just lost in the finals. The Lakers would love him, right? Or, hey, there's Russell Westbrook out there. Why don't you bring the LA kid home? Like, that could be an option. Um, and then there's even stuff like, oh, the Lakers would still be in on Kyle Lowry, who they tried to trade for last trade deadline, Right. And then there's even a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who is not a point guard, but is a shot creator and did have a career high in assists last season and took on a lot of like primary ball handling duties as a half court initiator for the Spurs. And again, so the thing that stands out to me initially is that none of those guys are Dennis Schroeder. It's like during the season last season, I felt like every discussion around what the Lakers were looking at in terms of a ball handler for this offseason was that guy's on the roster. His name is Dennis Schroeder. We are committed to Dennis Schroeder. We would love to have Dennis Schroeder. And so this idea to me of like, oh, well, you know what? Now there's all these other fish in the sea. And and that is something that seems to be more on the like what's being reported aspect. And I don't know if that reflects like a certain sourness that could exist from the Lakers side. I don't want to speculate even on that. I just think that the Lakers were probably trying to extend Dennis during the season. That was pretty clearly reported and they didn't come to a deal and now that it's the off season there's a sort of like okay well now we're all going to weigh our options and we're all going to see what's what's available out there if i were to rank sort of players that that i like the most like lowry is still a name to me that is, is super intriguing he's not a star star like a like but he is a very good complimentary player and a championship winning player. And I think that he would probably be the best fit from a fit perspective. But the other guys like Russ and DeRozan, like they're guys who across the league probably have a certain rep reputation from like an analyst perspective and from an analytics perspective, but they definitely fit more of that mold of like, Oh, well, those are those are sort of bad MFers that will go and like create a shot 
and 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 maybe get out there and run in transition and and do some other things. So in, in pivoting back to you, you guys, I'm more from a theoretical stance standpoint with with both of y'all. Is there a is there a skill set that matters more to to you here? Right. Like um more pure point guard who is going to be a distributor and a guy who can sort of set set the table. I'm going to organize you or a more dynamic, I'm going to go get a shot, right? And it may not always be pretty. It may all it may sometimes look a little bit out out of control, but you know what you're getting with that guy in terms of high volume shot. Well, 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 shot creation and ability to sort of get get his own. Is there a scale on those two poles of the spectrum? Is there a side that you're more on or more in the middle of? I want to bring in Pete's tease to this a little bit, too, though, because I, I think we have to be careful in thinking about a team. You, we can't just assume the best possible scenario, which is like third star plus all of the best role players. Like that is a perfect world. I, like I think yes, we all would choose fans, that. Mike, of course we can think well, that, Mike. But for, just for sake of argument, for sure. Like, of course, if the best possible team you can put together, yes, I think everybody would sign up for. I want that, but yes. for the sake of argument, right, it's more about like you – I think we have to assume to some degree if you're going to take a third star, you're going to get – the, the supporting players are not going to be as good, just just as a very simple part mm-hmm. of the argument. So, mm-hmm. and then to to Darius's direct point, I got, okay, what type of player and all that, it goes, that also goes back to my earlier point about why it's so nice to have LeBron, because if you, if that player isn't as good as a ball handler, well, you still have somebody that can get you in the best possible situations when needed. So I just, but I also thought the Anthony Davis point that Darius made earlier was so important because Whoever, whoever the third best player is, whether it's a somebody that they resign, whether it's a new player, whether we deem that player to be a star or not, doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is how that player does fit around LeBron and AD, and from a not just from a physical standpoint and what his skills are, but from a mental standpoint. And a I am here to support what these two guys do, and I think that there are some players that do that better than others. And a lot of that has to do with basketball IQ. Some of it has to do with stage of career. And some of it has to do, like, if you think about the team that actually won, there were guys like a Kyle Kuzma that had to really think, all right, I am not the third star that maybe was my original intention of trying to be with this group. So I got to do a lot of this other stuff. And I think whoever the player that comes in, in whatever context, is going to be in that spot. And I just don't think there's going to be a guy out there that should threaten any of Anthony Davis's sort of number like one a role on either end of the court and particularly the offense, I suppose, because, you know, we know defensively that that's going to be there. I'm going to bring up two specific names, one from last season's Lakers and one from the championship season that I think represent sort of this idea on last season, I think, is Dennis Schroeder. And on the season before, I look at Rajon Rondo. Right. Both of those players were primary ball handlers. Right. And both of them sort of Rondo, just from career and legacy and everything, had that moxie as like, I'm the third best guy. It like maybe I'm maybe I'm a bench player. Maybe I don't play that much every night. But Frank Vogel says that he believes in my swag. He believe like he plays me every single game as if I'm super important. And so I'm the guy 
who is going to organize things and make sure that I'm setting things up. Right. And so, but Rondo and Dennis, even though they've been compared to each other or Dennis to Rondo more so throughout his, his career, they don't play the same, right? Right. Dennis is definitely like an attack. I'm going to go get mine sort, sort of guy. It's not like he's got tunnel vision or is a ball hog. That's not it, it at all. But his game is predicated off of, I'm going to be an individual threat first right and that's based off of my scoring ability rondo is the opposite he is i'm going to get everyone else involved and sometimes to the detriment of the team i think right but one of the things that rondo did that i thought was especially useful is he was always looking for ad on the court and off the court you heard a lot about him always being in ad's ear like you got to go dominate you got like, I'm looking for you. You got to go get it, go get it, go get it. And I think that speaks to Mike's point about like, this guy has to compliment AD. Like, like he has to be there to support him and help prop, prop him up. And I thought in the time that we saw Dennis and AD together, it, that dynamic never really developed in that same, same way. Now you could talk to a bunch of different issues as to why that happened, but it, it did. It played out that way. And so, Pete, in going back to you, if using sort of the templates of Rondo and Dennis as like sort of this idea, is there a way that you lean towards or do you think that it even matters? Because I think Dennis was showing that he could be a guy that was super helpful, but it, it never really got there. So we're left to sort of I, I would argue that a big reason why it didn't get there was the injuries. And this is another in every individual subtopic of the Lakers past season and going forward, how they should evaluate the team and build the team. I always come back to that. We got to evaluate the injuries in properly, like not too much, but not too little. And I, and the reason I say that is, is it was starting to come around, right? The reason why I would argue the reason why Dennis and AD did not work particularly well, had more to do with AD than it did to Denton with Dennis. And that's because he comes in after this very short offseason, after a season in which he had a, an enormous burden, and he started the season in first or second gear. That it reminds me of the when AD came back and you know, and, and people were blaming Drummond, for example, for defensive issues. It's like, no, I'm watching AD stand there on the elbow and not make his rotations. This is what happened on this play. That's not to say that Anthony Davis is not a great player or a great defensive player. Obviously, I'm just saying that in the actual games that he played in, he wasn't ready to be the I'm about to wreck shop Anthony Davis. When he was, we everybody looked great. And everyone, next to him, and everyone next to him looked like, oh, like, look, this seems to work just fine. Darius, in the first three games of the playoffs before Anthony Davis went down, Dennis Schroeder was averaging like 18 a game on 55% from the field, right? It's just we never saw much of it. So it's like or, do or you, how just, much stock do you put in three games? Yeah. just but just Or just think back. I know it was a long time ago, but the actual start to the regular season when everybody was healthy and they went 21-6 sure. and six before AD went down. So, I mean, like that yeah. was Schroeder. They, they were still figuring each other out. It, like my point all along has been it's it clearly works well enough. Uh, and, and I think that we we forget sort of how shooter looked when healthy with AD. That's right. And that 21 and 16 was largely with AD like picking and popping and not putting a ton of pressure on the rim. And that is the concept. Again, I, I think your third star needs to be both aligned with the concept of the team, which I believe is the bigger, faster, stronger build. There are a couple of ways you can do that, right? 
but you have to that that player needs to be able to contribute in a multitude of areas, including those off of the ball. So when you talk about building around LeBron and AD, what is the collective skill that they're least dominant in? It's outside shooting, right? It's it and pull up shooting in particular. So if I were to value an individual skill set, it would be a guy who can who can shoot off of the pull up. Guys who can put pressure on the rim and shoot pull up jumpers are dead bang superstars that you can never find, right? This is not the type of player. So we're going to have to make sacrifices in certain yeah. areas. But for me, the I, the idea, Mike, of guys who can put pressure on the rim, similar to Dennis, but maybe have a, a, a bit better of a, a dump off ability that can help uh, accentuate Anthony Davis. But then it comes down to what can they do when LeBron and AD are on the floor? So what does that guy as the third star need to do? Because ultimately, no matter how good, no matter how former all-star or high usage or ball hand, you know, quality ball handler they are, it's going to be LeBron with the ball in his hands down the stretch. And someplace it's going to be Anthony Davis in the mid post. What does that third guy need to be able to do? So Darius just mentioned the scenario and we we're talking about Dennis Schroeder and Rondo in one sense. I think you could have a similar argument about Danny Green or Shooter as that type of player to round out the lineup. And that, and I know Pete's mentioned this before. Um, I don't remember which pot it was, but I here's where I've come down on it. Like the year that they won, obviously that all worked in it, and we should just kind of give that credit and learn something from it. But I totally was with and supported the move to get Shooter at that time based on what that season was going to turn into. And part of it was about part of it was already kind of pre worrying about the bubble tax. And then that obviously all came true and shooter. If you take out the health and safety protocol absences was able to stay healthy and have the type of energy that was only sapped by the health and safety protocols. And that type of player. And as I always point out about shooter that I liked was the defensive intensity and the mm-hmm. defensive effort, and even if he couldn't, and this is where he, he's, he kind of, it's important to have somebody else on the roster that can play in certain situations where you need to be a little bigger if you do need to range up and you, and then LeBron can take the ball handling responsibilities. That's where Danny Green was great, but where Green wasn't going to help you was some of those getting through the regular seasons or, or creating shots like the stuff that Schroeder can do. So I, all of that is to say that I just continue to think Shooter is a better fit than most people realized last year because of what the circumstances were. And if that does end up working out, I, I think that he will be much better than he was last year. And I think that some of the shooting will come around some. I think that the driving will get better. I think that the defense will stay the same. So I am I am not uh, one of those that is kind of out on what the idea of what Shooter can bring. Um, and sure, a lot of this depends on salary and so on. But I just I like that archetype of a player next to LeBron and next to AD who and the biggest reason is because he'll defend. But other than that is that he can create shots and his his threat of shooting is not enough that you have that you completely just leave him uh, and just let him shoot open shots like a, you know, like a Ben Simmons type player where that's going to really hamper the offense because you just sort of leave that, ignore that guy. And that's where he's similar to Rondo from a shooting standpoint. See, for me, it's, it's interesting because the thing that I, the thing that concerns me most about Dennis is still his size and me too. And how functionally that shows up in the playoffs Mm -hmm. as a frontline Main player, like it's one thing 
to be Dennis's size and be sort of a six man type of guy. Let's say campaign, for example, right? Yeah. Like the difference is that if you're, if you're paying Dennis in the 20 or even what he was this year, he's going to have to be on the, on the floor in those closing lineups, right? He's not a luxury anymore. He's a, a necessity. Yeah. And that's how you're paying him. You're paying him to be one of your best players and one of your best players should play. This is sort of the Danny green argument that you were making Pete. It's like, okay, well, Danny Green makes $16 million a year or $17 million a year. He is the third highest paid player. That player needs to contribute at a baseline level and needs to be able to close the game and probably should be closing the game every single time. Because if he's not, it's a misallocation of resources to a certain extent. And while I don't, and while I don't count the Lakers money in that way, like I'm not in their pocketbook, I don't care right? What these players cost. I do care what they cost within the context of, have you built out your roster in a way where you're spending the right amount of money on these players in order to build out a team that allows you to compete at a level that you're expected to. And if you have doled out bad contracts then that matters. It matters within the context of, of, of team building and, and how that has a ripple effect then across the rest of your roster. And so when I, in, in getting back to Dennis, I, I don't necessarily uh, disagree with Mike in terms of <clears throat> what the fit is or how he can be a contributing player and a very good contributing player on a team that's led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think that that played out to be true, as we saw during the portions of the season where all of those, those guys were healthy, what concerns me more about Dennis is his is his player profile, his his archetype as as a player when it comes to the playoffs. And this season did him no favors because he was sort of at like the worst of things, like he was just coming off of health and safety pro protocols. It's debated whether or not he did or did not have have COVID, but he did not look like himself. And so that's that. But a sort of six foot, six foot one guard who isn't an elite shooter, who relies on his physical tools of being like quick and long and and fast. Long history in the NBA playoffs, especially of those guys kind of falling off a bit. And that's that's why, like, the alignment with the bigger, faster, stronger idea is important to me, which isn't to say that Dennis – I mean, Dennis is faster at the very least, right? Not yeah. bigger or stronger, but he is faster. Uh, and I'm not saying that it can't work, but for me, getting bigger – on the perimeter is something that would be uh, a priority. Now, there's all these machinations where where maybe Dennis is coming back is the best option, right? But uh, ideally, I would like to see us get get bigger for exactly those playoff series. I just saw it be too important in the playoffs, in the postseason, that those side, even in that Lakers series, one of the reasons Aiton kicked our ass is because our guards were Dennis and KCP, and they just weren't big enough to – not you're not going to win a physical battle against those guys, but at least buy your teammate an extra half a second to be able to recover from wherever he's at. Mike, and I think this this goes back to your point about there being a multitude of ways that you can build out a roster. Dennis could definitely be a part of a championship winning team, I think. But then I think you need to do other tweaks 
around the rest of the roster in order to sort of get back to that mindset of bigger, strong, stronger, faster. So what does your shooting guard look like? What does your backup small forward look like? What do, what do your combo three fours look like? Right. Like because the rest of the team then I think needs to shift even more in that direction to compensate in, in areas where you might be saying, well, we're not this up and down the entire roster. Right. But we are, we are more of that in other places than we were last season. And I just think it's going to be an interesting direction or, or interesting thing to see which direction the team decides to go in and Rob Polinka specifically. Well, I have forever, as you guys know, been against having too many small guards thing. And it's one of the reasons I railed against Utah this year. I railed against Portland. And I ultimately didn't think Phoenix even was going to be, was going to be good enough um, to win the title. Now they would have lost to the Lakers. I think we maintain that if Anthony Davis stays healthy, but in their size, wasn't just in the perimeter. It was inside as well. Cause Booker isn't small for a two guard, but he's also not like that defensive physical guy. Chris Paul kind of Chris Paul's more in the shooter dynamic. And this is what I've been trying to get across. Like he is small, but he's tough and he'll fight and he'll fight on switches sure. and he'll battle you. And he's not just going to get completely run over. So I do think he allows some time for guys to recover. But that's where it all depends on if you're – so you have to have a guy like Kuzma that can – and again, Kuzma, he, like many of the Lakers, hit the bubble tax moment where he wasn't himself in the postseason. But somebody that can slide down and, and slide down meaning like a big player that can play guard, at least to some extent. So, so you can be big that way. And the rest of the roster construction does have to account for that. And that's all true. I just am – the thing with Schroeder that I liked was that fight in the feistiness that in a little bit, even of the length, like that, that made him play a little bigger <clears throat> than that guard spot. But I agree. Like you also don't want to have him as a part of, you don't want to have, you know, CJ McCollum or uh, like Donovan Mitchell, Conley, and, and of course Lillard going with McCollum. Like you don't want to have him with a small shooting guard. And to an extent KCP, since he sometimes defends down, to ones like that that is where you need the rest of the lineup to be big which the lakers were and so again last year it worked it just it, what is the mix going to be this year shooter can certainly be part of a of an effective lineup where you're not too small um but but there there is some there is an element of versatility that you need in size for the rest of the roster and that's why all this stuff ties together yeah that's and that's something that's all on a spectrum and a dial too, right? Where it's not necessarily a hard and fast rule. Like for me, I'm very bought into the bigger, faster, stronger approach and I value shooting. But if you can get me a movement shooter, a guy who can not just hit catch and shoot threes, but can come off of a screen. Cause for example, one of our go-to actions at the end of a game is put LeBron on the elbow, put Anthony Davis in the corner and have Alex Crusoe set a down screen for him. If that's a shooter, shooter, that's that is a really difficult action to defend. And so if you can if there's somebody that can come in that can do that well, my my standards defensively, Darius, drop a little bit. And my standards athletically drop a little bit, right? So it's not just a hard and fast one way or another. Well, one of the guys who's rumored out there to be a target is Buddy Healed as a trade option, right? And so the exact type of archetype player that you were just describing, Pete, like Buddy Heald fits that to a T. He is one of the elite, elite shooters in the league who is a shooting guard. He's not the best defensive player. He's not, 
He's not bigger, stronger, faster necessarily, right? But dude attempted like 10 threes a game last season, 10 threes a game, and did that as a part-time starter, right? Like didn't even really, him and Luke Walton butted heads famously, right? But in Sacramento, but healed is the type of guy, look, man, coming off down screens, as a pull-up shoe shooter, he's not the best like pick and roll ball handler, but he is someone who can, who can functionally run a pick and roll. He, you cannot go under on him on screens. Um, he is that type of do-it-all shooter, right? Where every type of shot he has that in his bag as a range, as a range shooter. And he, there's a reason why the Lakers are interested reportedly in a player like buddy healed and it's because while we can debate the value of shooting right over the course of a playoff run and do you need to shoot at x percentage right in order to win i think we've seen in the last couple of years that no you actually don't need to shoot 38 or 40 percent from three to to win a championship the Bucks just won a championship shooting like 33 or 34 percent. And the Lakers did the same thing the year before. And the Raptors were pretty close to that number as well. But functionally on the court. When you have elite shooting, the space that it creates for other people is helpful. And it does make it so that, oh, yeah, well, we only shot 34 percent from three. You know why? Because the guy who normally shoots four 40% didn't really shoot that much. And it's because that guy was being blanketed, but guess what? That meant that our rim hunting power forward or center got to the rim a lot, or our power dynamic wing who loves to live in the paint. He got to live in the paint a little bit more often because the space was there for him. And there is a domino effect that shooting can influence on your offensive approach that I think the Lakers are clearly invested in that. And I'll be interested to see if if a move like that does come come to fruition. But there's a lot of offseason to figure out here still, right, Pete? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what we do. I'm, I I can't wait. It's going to be a really interesting offseason. Tomorrow we'll be back to do a draft preview pod. We're going to have Mike Garcia, draft analyst, come on who there's nobody I trust more on the draft than Mike. He's been my go-to guy for the last 15 plus years. He's great. I can't wait for him to break down the draft around the 22 pick and beyond. So uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow when we come back for that. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddie pass. And it's back to a three-point game.
Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. And shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.